Fake Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. Speaking of numbers, what number am I thinking of? Three. You're so close. <laughs> 50. Nailed it. You only needed two guesses. Two guesses. And why are we thinking of 50? Because we're patriots. Inclusive patriots who include <laughs> Alaska and Hawaii. We're not just about oh, the lower 48. But they talk shit about us. The, especially, I know Alaskans do personally because I married one. But we don't need to lower ourselves to that level. I know. A problem in one level of consciousness cannot be solved in the same level of consciousness. Yeah, those freaking dirty ass Alaskans, we're not, we're not stooping down to their level. Exactly. Fuck them. <laughs> don't get me started on Hawaiians. <laughs> I don't know shit about them. I've never been there. So I think we're actually about to beat the country mm-hmm. to 51. We're awesome. We're better than America. They've been stuck at 50 for so next, long. Next week. And next week we're hitting 51. So Right now we're just as good as America. <laughs> we're on par with America. Have you heard that the average um, podcast is seven episodes? I would really be curious to see that data. Me too. Is that inclusive of series that have never released an episode? Like, are we including zero in a lot of those averages? Or is that ones that have released at least one episode? I did no research on that. I just heard it from another podcaster. Oh, well, you should have said that from the beginning. Okay, rewind it. And we'll we'll start it there. (laughs) Because as we know, all podcasters are sworn an oath of truth, justice, and the American way. They are. That's right. Just like judges, they always do the right thing. And doctors. Yeah. The Pope. Have there been 50 Popes? Or are we also better than the Pope? Oh, much better than the Pope. So how should we celebrate? Why don't we talk about some shit, um, like uh, some communist shit. I want to go to Russia, personally. And obviously America's got this beef with Russia right now. Russia's not communist anymore. But the, the same people there, like, okay, so it was the Soviet Union. The wall fell. And then it wasn't the Soviet Union. It was Russia, a democratic government, right? But the people, the the people who worked and tried to survive and had kids and every they're they're the same people there. Um, there's there's something there's something to that that 
I think a lot of people miss when we have conflict with other countries or even with our own, that the people, no matter what the government is or what it's doing that's nefarious, it doesn't translate to the people that live there. The fact that people want to be terrorists it fart on Nancy Pelosi's death. No. Um, and fly planes into a building, right? If we find out what country they originated from, is it okay to go and just kill people in that country? Have nothing to do with that? I think not. And, and a lot of those people have, they all are different people. They all have, they live... Like a lot of the people out, let's say, let's just call it, let's talk about Afghanistan. If you go out towards the postunes, like out in the country, the farmers and whatnot, that's a whole different people than the people in the city. They live their life a different way. And without a government that's over them, telling one of them what they have to do and what they don't have to do, that can be a very peaceful interaction between two people, two groups of people who live in a completely different way. And it used to be that way back when Afghanistan, the people in Afghanistan, in fact, some of them still don't understand that there's a government over them because uh, they've just been out in the country so long. And that's how Afghanistan used to be. It used to be they had a central government, but it was so weak that most people didn't even understand that it existed there. Um, and then, of course, our government overthrew people and then made the central government more powerful. By We've been through that shit before. Read anything by Scott Horton. Um, but it was just a bunch of tribes who had to agree to things, right? I, I just, I I personally don't see why there's anything wrong with living your life that way. Anywhere. Here. There. Anywhere in the world. Where you just interact voluntarily with people. And that's probably a little bit scary to anyone who is a globalist. Because you're talking mm -hmm. about breaking down these borders, breaking down these walls, saying, oh, well, that's not Afghanistan, that's not Russia, that's not America, that's the world, and we're all part of this collective, and we're all part of the group. But it also means that you can erect those walls if you want. You can put the Berlin Wall back up, and it has nothing to do with you versus your neighbor. That wall wasn't put up by your neighbors. That wall was maybe physically built by your neighbors, but it was at the instruction and directive of the state. By force. There was a force. There was a threat of death to build such wall. If that wall was built without that threat, then I have no problem with it. All government force is a threat of death because if I don't pay my speeding ticket or my seatbelt ticket, it 
goes on. It escalates until death is the option. You, know, you got to fight enslavement or death, right? So the most harsh contract that you have between two consenting people is not the same, does not even reach that level. Well, and when you say two people, you're also talking about the contract. And I think when we talk about groups, when we talk about community, when we talk about collective, when we talk about global, like a world community, it almost feels like we will call it a world government. There's there's almost this false dichotomy in a lot of modern libertarian or even liberty-leaning conversations where it's about the individual and their individual experience and everything that's global, it's world government or community, it's communism or a collective, it's socialism, communism. But that's because we're projecting this idea of government onto all those things, right? Mm Because you just described two individuals in a contract. That's a collective. It's voluntary. The the two of them are together. And I think we forget that the government doesn't have a monopoly on the collective. We, right. we think about the individual and it's a little bit easier for us to understand that, right? The individual and, and individual liberties, but... And, and again, to for all the people listening right now, what he's describing, it it may be hard to visualize, but I, there's a book out there that visual, that really describes this in a story form, and it's called The, Eth- the Ethics of Anarcho-Capitalism. So I think it's a good read if you're trying to understand what we're talking about, how people come together when they're not forced to and can and can coexist and thrive way beyond what they can when there's an element of force involved because the heartbeat of anarcho-capitalism is the fact that people are specialized the specialization of labor is essential to that uh, that way of life so the the anarcho communists can may maybe not participate as much in that beneficial coexistence of of people they may close themselves off to a group as a group to live their way and it may suck for their community because there'll be a, a void of people that they can't have that community with. But it's okay because it's, it's all voluntary, right? So, And I think a lot of that, um, the differences between the anarcho-capitalist and anarcho-communist 
will start to fade away as time goes on when they realize that, you know, the anarcho-capitalist isn't some banker, you know, telling you that now you you have to pay X amount of money for your house or whatever. He's just, it's it's all just a voluntary interaction between people. Um, not saying that the anarcho-communists won't still have their little tight groups that that uh, just don't want to be a part of society as a whole. Uh, that's fine, you know. But it's definitely uh, like Michael Malice always says: like we're not offering the we're not offering a utopia. We're offer. You see where we're at now. This is what you and I are describing is much better than what we are now. We are describing something much better, but it's worth calling out that we're using very loaded language, right? I I noticed that you avoided talking about a collective, right? Saying a coexistence or a group because collective has this, uh, you know, very governmental feel. So even if you want to be part of a community, you don't want to say collective because it feels almost like this tyrannical involuntary group. And the, the flip side of that is people who are community minded are a bit afraid of the anarcho piece of anarcho-capitalism or anarcho-communism because they equate this lack of government with lack of stability, and it's scary because even to them, that extreme individualism, which is an ironic way to describe anarcho-communism, still feels unstable and unpredictable in a way that frightens people. So this language is very loaded because we could describe these things in a way that makes sense to people. But the second you say, oh, that's anarchy, that word freaks people out. And on the, I guess we would say typical right, if I say the word collective, that freaks them out. Well, anarchy freaks them out too. Anarchy is one of those words that's freaked people on both sides out for a long time. And that is the word that connects the anarcho-communist. That's why I have more in common with common with a anarcho-communist than I do with somebody on the right. I want to live my life probably a lot more right-leaning than, uh, say, your center person would be. Like I, I enjoy things that you would equate with the right. I enjoy, and and things with the left. Like I'm a punk rocker and shit like that. Like I love that kind of shit. But like, I like riding four wheelers. <laughs> you know, I like guns. I like, I like camping. I like all of those things that the DIY. Anything DIY. I'm into it, man. I like to know how to do it, right? If 
if all else fails, I can do it myself, right? But the the right that is not anarcho, which is everybody pretty much, except for our little group, right? Until recently, you know, it's and even now, but like a lot of these barriers have broke down recently. But there's been this trust in the military industrial complex to to like to a point that they were the champions of the or well, the Patriot Act, right? The the right. The right was the Well, because their president was in, right? Right. Exactly. But it, it there was nothing about the Patriot Act that was patriotic, was freedom oriented, was anything but I mean it was Say the 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 fascists were at our door, and they said, you know, we're coming in, and you guys are losing the war. And the the government said, hold up, what if we just do what you guys do, then we can be friends. And they were like, all right. And then we just became that. That's what the Patriot Act was. We just. We're just like, oh, instead of invading, we'll just integrate into it. And we'll just pretend like that's who we are. Well, instead of invading once, you just invade forever. It's the subscription model. <laughs> that's right. That's why you have to get that app that unsubscribes you to the shit that you shouldn't have... Uh... Agreed to. You're like, oh man, okay. am I still paying thousands of dollars a year in taxes for this invasion subscription? <laughs> right. Oh, thank God for the Anarcho app that got me out of that. I would love to see like a an app breakdown of <laughs> all the apps everyone subscribed to, but then put in the monthly numbers for what you contribute in taxes toward the military industrial <laughs> complex. Yeah. You know, $7 for Hulu, $12 for ESPN plus Disney plus $347 to the military industrial complex. <laughs> right. You're like, man, this subscription sucks. I don't get anything. Are they out of inf- all the infrastructure bills that we pass over every president passes an infrastructure bill. Right. And it's just like, to, to raise their, you know, spending limit. And it's like, oh, the bridges are shit and they're collapsing and there's rust on all the bridges and then they pass this bill. And it's always like record spending, right? And then the next president comes in and is like, all our bridges are falling apart and we need another infrastructure bill. And you're just like, well, fuck, man. If the bridges are going to fall down, let's do it. Because people don't go, wait a second, didn't we? What the fuck do you do with that money, man? That was more money than we've ever spent before, ever in the history of America. And you didn't get any of these fucking bridges fixed? What the fuck, man? We've spent more on that spending bill than it cost to build all the fucking bridges. (laughs) What the fuck? Sometimes it's just cheaper to buy new. Jesus Christ, please. Please. It's kind of 
like the I'll forge that shit. I'm talking some oxes, like uh, Oregon Trail. Fucking stop spending money on bridges. I don't give a shit. If Jack floats down the river, I mean, so be it. I'll shoot a squirrel. Have another kid. Maybe it's like the whole inkjet <laughs> cartel thing where the first one's free because they hope that you'll pay for the maintenance and the new cartridges. Mm-hmm. So like if we just buy a new river, will it come with like a free bridge? <laughs> My maintenance just seems should. really expensive. It really does. <laughs> and the fact that they don't fix anything every time we pass one, you're just like, we almost got it. That last spending bill. One more though. We'll get these bridges under control. Well, and you and you make a great point to segue into the other side of this is that that we're paying for is part of a collective and what rubs people the wrong way because it's in no way voluntary and it's just baked into all this. So I, I think a lot of people hear the word collective or co-op or even community rubs people the wrong way, which is very strange, but uh, these have been... Does All the C words piss me off, yeah. Because when most people say those words to me, it comes with a load of forced horse shit after it, you know? Uh, pretty much everybody who says those words to me, except for you. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with that forced horse shit after it. Like, I'm going to shove horse shit down your throat, and I'm going to say it's for the greater good. Even though it helps nobody else. You're just eating horse shit. But I'm going to tell you that. Even that phrase, for the greater good. Yeah. I feel like even that has been twisted and mired in a whole lot of the unspoken and unsaid. Because if I were to go to someone, especially someone who's a little bit more right-leaning, maybe a bit more individualistic, and I say, for the greater good, they're going to prickle at that. Because... Mm -mm, Not if you're talking about war. Because I was on the right. If you... If you say something about, well, I'm talking about the right from the George Bush area because I, I wasn't there after that. So, like, But if you were to say something about like anything troop-oriented and then talked to, said that afterwards, I would have understood it as a good phrase. It's only if you said the IRS and then said those words that I would have looked at it as a bad phrase. But those two things are directly tied together. Right. Both are things we are paying for (laughs) involuntarily. Right. And likely don't help anyone. Yeah, they certainly hurt people. I I think there's a lot to be said for how we think about language and how we should maybe think twice 
about some of the baggage and connotations around certain bits of language. And if I can be so bold, I'd be okay with trying to take back some of these things and pull them out of this very specific lane. Because Mm -hmm. if I were to go back to the example you were talking about before in an ANCAP society where it's about specialization, right? Mm. A specialization is about the individual, and it's about the individual specializing in a skill set or a role or a place in things, but it's their place in a collective. Because if you specialize and you're on an island castaway style you're fucked exactly so this theoretical individual speak Mm -hmm. gets us caught up in a vacuum where we forget that that's actually part of a whole you're being I don't think we forget it I think we forget to say it because I mean at least in my social circles we assume people are at the same level of thought into this is us <laughs> in places that like in aspects that we shouldn't be assuming that like there there are things like we can be talking about advanced anarcho-capitalism anarcho just anarchic theories right I think we should always start, you know, emphasize those points that we don't, uh, like, the the key thing. Like, this is, anarcho-capitalism is about, like, your individual rights to fail or succeed. And success very much hinges on your ability to provide a an uplifting good product service to everybody else you have to serve your fellow man to get ahead and the people in anarcho capitalism the people who serve their fellow man the best make more people's lives better than anybody else tend to be the ones who do better themselves. And I think we should focus on that. You can't have success without failure. Failure is part of the path to success. So if we don't have a series of failures to learn from, whether that's on the path or failures that are happening in parallel to help us frame success, we don't know what a success is. We don't get to success. We learn from the mistakes of others, and it doesn't even mean that your way was the wrong way. I I think there's something right. to yeah. be said for chaos here, right? Yeah. If you flip a coin and that determines the outcome, it doesn't necessarily mean that you made a mistake. You can still succeed and fail at something that's up to chance. And right. if we can pick out the difference between those where this is based on chance or this is based on 
input versus output, right? Because we we talk well, a lot about these aren't things that, but these are that's why the calculation theory exists is because it is too much information to process. You need the feedback of cost value, right? That you don't get with like fixed pricing and stuff like that, right? Because you have to have that. That's what, because the guy who mines the powder that goes on the outside of the case that they put the raw steel in to, you know, to forge their whatever that makes the blank that makes this that makes that. That's too much information. You have to know, like, okay, this this mining one of the mines shut down or ran out. It costs more to make this now. That's that's what you need to know. That's the information. Without the story, you know. Well, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. There are so many yeah. different factors in this. I'll, I'll give right. you a, I'll give you a phrase that. The same people who are bothered by collective actually enjoy, which is the free market, which Mm -hmm. by its very nature means at least more than one individual. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about is you're talking about the market and people interacting and prices in flux and things moving based in purely in relation to something else. It's that, and, Every action and you're is right an equal about, opposite reaction. You're right. You're you're right about that. And I'm gonna tell you, I see the Borg. <laughs> I see Star Trek when I hear the collective. Because it's a it, that's the word they use. <laughs> I mean and it's a well oiled machine and it you know, they destroy other you know, organisms or whatever, right? And my experience with authority, especially unearned authority, let me uh, rephrase that, because I've had authority that was earned authority, involuntary authority, that have been great, and I've had it where it's not good, and I... The good thing about voluntary authority is I can opt out anytime. But there's been an authority over me before that has, you know, put me behind a locked door for six months or um, harassed me, broke my skateboard, um, made me stand out in the cold with my shirt off and wait until my battery went dead in my car and then said, fuck you, it's your problem, and left me on the side of the road. That's the forced authority that I've had interact with me. Um, It's not pleasant. And I've had very unpleasant voluntary authority. But again, the difference is, is I left. I found a way out by advancing my skills, just making a lateral move, whatever. I found a way away from it. The the amazing thing about 100% employment is 
you're fucked if you hate your boss. So, and your your anarcho communist will understand what I'm saying because they get it. They have seen the light on government authority, and this is why I can relate to these people even though we see the world in a completely different manner, right? But they understand that, like, if you have 100% employment, that means that you are forcing people to work. That means that you're telling them where they work, when they work, and how they work. That means that you have to ask somebody else if you're allowed to do something else as an employment. And it's 100% employment. It's not like there's an opening somewhere. They have to move somebody else somewhere else. So, but today, you know, we talk about our bosses like they're these evil whatever, and sometimes they are pieces of shit. But our public school has taught us that we're supposed to sit down and shut up and do it anyway. You don't have to do that. This is fucking... Not that kind of society at this moment. Let's keep it that way. If you hate your boss, if he said, for example, when I had a situation where I told my boss I was not going to be there on such a date. Many days in advance. Weeks in advance. But this person came back to me and said, I'm going to have to check the schedule to see if that's okay. And I told that person, I didn't ask you if I could take the days off. I told you I was taking them off. I was just asking you if you wanted me to come back to work after I took them off. I'm not being a dick. I'm just telling that person that this is not a slave situation. This is a voluntary situation. One way or the other. I've decided I'm taking these days off. I've let you know. If you can't deal with me not being there on such a date, right? Then you need to come with me with a offer that we can agree and makes it worth me not taking those days off. Like say uh, I work for X amount of dollars normally but you need me to work these days even though I've requested them off well no unless you want to pay me overtime for that entire week all of the hours you got everybody out there can negotiate these things in their employment all they have to do is make themselves worth it you have to be worth it. So you have to make yourself, put yourself in a position where the company will be in a bad place without you. And then when you need to take time off and they need you there, their only option is to make it worth you sacrificing your time off, which may be them paying you double time for two weeks straight. Do it. You're not a slave. 
ask. It's not in the fucking handbook. So what if it's not in the handbook? You're not a slave. Negotiate. That's what this is. It's all voluntary. And they try to trick you into thinking it's not. This fascist regime, socialism, whatever mesh that they're trying to pretend like you're in, you're not. They can't, you can't be in it. Socialism can't exist. Fascism can't exist. If we don't accept it, it doesn't exist. It's just other people trying to have power over us. It's the government and then us. No matter how you want to live your life. Government trying to take from everybody. And then you trying to live your life. The way you want to live it. That's the two teams. They try to fucking blur it with, you know, Bigfoot in the way. Because he's all blurry and he fucks up the pictures. But that's that's what it is. If you think that you're going to live in a commune. And the government's fucking you over. You're actually friends with the guy who's a capitalist. Who wants the government out of the way. Because he can't do anything to you without the state. Without this belief that the central power has something over you. Well, I think that's why that anti-work movement has been growing so much. Is these people are describing these bosses and work is not inherently bad. In fact, I would almost go so far as to say that work is inherently good. You're being productive, you're contributing, not you're being a slave. But the anti-work labor talks about that. They talk about slavery. They talk about these bosses, and these bosses are being authoritarian. They are making things involuntary. And the beauty of that movement is the idea that they are bigger than that and powerful enough to quit these awful jobs or leave these horrible bosses. But what we forget is that these are horrible bosses. These aren't just bosses, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you said, this is a voluntary interaction. So in one sense, it's voluntary and you can leave. In another sense, it's voluntary and you can collaborate you have a lot more in common with that boss than either of you do with the president. Or the other way around. I found so many good avenues in my work career. To, because I've never thought about work in a, this is my work and I have to be there because whatever I've always I I don't know why because it certainly wasn't instilled in me as a kid it was always you know work hard and you'll get ahead but eh, that wasn't my thing either it, I mean I did work hard but I expected shit for it you know what I mean um, I was always able to negotiate pretty well um, 
I don't know why, but I think that it really stems from the fact that I never looked at a job like it wasn't voluntary. I don't want to quit. I, I, you know, getting a new job kind of sucks. You got to go talk to people, fill out applications. I'm dyslexic. So, I mean, that's even worse. Right. Um, but I'll do it. You know, that's, that's the, depending on how good the job is, like how much money I'm making for what I'm doing, that that's going to decide whether the value of me filling out those applications is worth it. And that's my effect. But I've, I've talked to people who are like, Oh, I can't, you know, I can't do that. My boss says I can't. What do you mean? What do you, what the fuck do you mean? Are you good at your job? Are there other people? I mean, what do you do for a living? Is it anything that's worth, you know, that has any demand? Are you better at a low demand job than most? You do have some sort of negotiating power. Or you're maybe you're actually getting paid more than you're worth. Then you don't. So, so, I mean, you got to position yourself into this place. So you, the, your boss doesn't necessarily have authority over you in this setting. In a, in a government communist or government socialist setting, they do. Because you're forced to work wherever. Whatever they've told you to do, that's what you do, right? But in the setting that we have today right now is you don't have to so you can you can go somewhere else you can make yourself more valuable than the boss I've had situations where companies have gotten rid of my boss instead of getting rid of me because what I was bringing to the company was more valuable than what that person was bringing, whether they were doing their job wrong or whatever. I was obviously of the opinion they were, but somebody else might have not felt that way. But I brought more value to the company, which in turn was bringing more value to whoever their customer was than that boss. And if for some reason you are unable to find that level of value in any of your skill sets, I think a lot of people would fear that they have no place to be. But if we go back into, admittedly, a very patriarchal time, but mm -hmm. if we go back to the pre-war era where a good majority of women worked zero hours and had zero income, mm -hmm. They were still fine because they were part of, and you're not going to like this word, a collective. They were in a voluntary collective mm -hmm. with their husband who decided that he was going to put out all of the effort on the physical labor front for the sake mm -hmm. of the greater good. And his greater good wasn't the state, 
the country, mm-hmm. the earth. It was way more zoomed in than that. His greater good was him, his wife. His primal maybe his greater good. Maybe his kids. Right. And that's why I think the phrase greater good or anything else like that could be reclaimed. And it's not about doing it for the state. The war- it's, it's doing it for the, the, the bigger piece. And I'll say yeah. I'll say that the living wage argument that's very, very popular now directly conflicts with another well-known metric, which is household income, right? If we think about the right and left ideas of what they're fighting for, if we talk about a living wage, we're talking about the individual. But it doesn't really matter if the collective, the household income, Mm-hmm. is enough to provide a living. Mm-hmm. As we've evidenced by these, like I say, those uh, you know, ol- older generations who uh, did that. And we can say that that would have been by force and women wanted to right. be in the workplace and couldn't be, but that's fine. But if it was a voluntary relationship and you want to stay, be a stay-at-home dad or mm-hmm. you want to be a stay-at-home half of a dink, yeah. You don't have to have kids to stay at home. If your spouse uh, makes enough money to take care of both of you, if you're in a uh, polyamorous relationship and there are four of you that all yeah. make enough to go in on a one-bedroom apartment, I, I, it doesn't really... Yeah, it depends matter. on what your standard of living is. I mean, without regulation, it it really does. It depends on what you want to live in. Uh well, we what we have today is a lot different than that. Where some people, through taxation and whatnot, the money they don't get to keep and the cost of living being hiked up by the state taking so much value out of the economy, um, people have decided that you know I'm 30 years old, I'm not ready to have a family, uh, I'm. I'm not fucking buying a house. I'm don't trust that shit. So I'm going to live in a van and I have to make it a hidden van. Can't be an RV because there's, you know, regulations against putting RVs on, even if I own the property, like in Georgia, for example, you, you can own a plot of land, pay for the power and the sewage to be out there, but you can't put an RV on it. And live in the RV. You have to have a home. Like you have to have a house with a a bedroom, a kitchen, a bathroom, and a living room. Maybe a one bedroom. And you can live in your RV. But you have to build that on it first in Georgia. Your land. Your property. You mean the land that you lease from the government? Right. That's what it seems like. Um, what I'm getting at is, you know, you, we can sit here and say collective or not collective is the right word to use. And you're right. We do need to 
clarify these terms with people, especially in, when we're talking to somebody about these things. I think that's the most important time is when we say, when we're having an honest discussion with somebody who we feel cares and is having an honest discussion, discussion with us when that's not going on when it's just a twitter feud or something like that who gives a fuck but to come up with a term like let's agree to what this word means first before we start talking is very important to the conversation because when you say collective to me i go warfare state you know basically I'm pumping out parts for their tank machines and and they're destroying other countries to bring in the income they need to even survive until they're out of countries to destroy and then we all die. That's what I think when I hear the word collective. <laughs> That's the imagery that comes into my head. That's awful. Even for the leftists that think that, that word's good, right? That's an awful fucking image for somebody working on a fucking assembly like because I know I'm not shooting a goddamn gun at somebody who didn't do shit to me. So I know in that scenario I'm dead. So the best case scenario is I'm working on some assembly line, you know, pumping out parts for something that's gonna do that to other people. Well, and that's not their word that's our word so it doesn't mean what they've done with it in the same way that anti-fascists aren't anti-fascists in the way that national socialists aren't national socialists liberals aren't liberals liberals aren't liberals peace officers are not peace (sighs) officers correct and I know this sounds like a semantic argument we could just call them something else but Mm -hmm. the reason i think it's important to have this discussion is we keep thinking it's collective versus anarchy or the group versus the individual but it's both it's all of that the individual is i just think we should kill like get rid of the government and then let the best ideas become what they are as long as we get rid of the force in the the force coercion the the best of the ideas will become what they need to become and that's why until that state goes away right until the force coercion goes away it's important that we not give them the power that they so desperately crave by refusing to use the language that they have manipulated. Because what they've done is, instead of us talking about the collective because we don't like that word, Mm -hmm. we never even acknowledge the group, and we become obsessed with the individual. In the same way, they've ruined the word anarchy. we We scare off the people who might agree with us if they were to give us a shot, because... Of our terminal our terminology you're right but 
that's part of propaganda. That's that's part of their strategy. And a lot of the time, what we've done is just changed our word, right? We said, fuck it, they win, and changed our word, right? But as soon as we change our word, they do it to the next word we have. Liberal, progressive, you name it, they've done it, right? And you're right, we have to fight for those words back. But what do we do? What do we, I mean, how do we get there? That's a very hard, that's a very sensitive thing because you can say something and use that word and depending on who you're talking to is what you just said might mean two different things. And taking back the words is part of it and something that I would love to happen, but that's not the most important point. The most important point is that as we continue to chase that down, so if we say collective and we don't want to say it anymore because they've ruined that, we say co-op and we don't want to say that because they've ruined that. My point is, even if we don't take those words back, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't let that prevent us from talking about those things, about the group. We're afraid to talk about the group or the greater good or the collective or the community or the co-op because they've taken our power from us and we get so focused on the individual. The flip side is anarchy. We're so afraid to say that word that we talk about, you know, this uh, free this or free that because we've had this language. I've actually had people on the right tell me or ask me to quit using that. Like, because they've they've told me like oh I've talked to other people on the right and they like what you have to say but like the biggest problem they have with you is the fact that you claim to be an anarchist. And I was like I don't fucking claim to be an anarchist. I'm just telling you that I am an anarchist. Not a fucking claim. I'm I'm telling you what I am. It's not a it's not up to debate whether I hate the state or not. And I would argue that everyone hates the state. And in fact, most of these people and most of these ideas are anarchist ideas. Well, so I'm fine with that. You might have an anarchist idea, but you're calling it anti-work or you're calling it socialism. But at the end of the day, what you're talking about is anarchy and you have a lot more in common with us than you do with the people who are trying to steal those words from you i mean if you listen to bill maher today today when he used to be the most important things to him were things that were Things that I would not agree with, right? Not that long ago. Like the type of society that he wanted to live in was not one that I would want to live in. But would I want it to be allowed to exist? Absolutely. I'm a fucking anarchist, right? But now that COVID's hit, go watch his episodes now. (laughs) 
This man is for real. He he is a Democrat. He does not believe in anarchy. <laughs> He's made that clear. He does believe in the state. But he's actually standing up for things that he thinks are overreach. It's not, it's my team. It's, or it's the other guy's team, so I'm against it. He's, I must give him some sort of credit that he is drawing a line in the sand and said, you know, I'm not crossing this, you know. And I think we should do that with our words, too. Uh, where, where you say collective, I think of the Borg or whatever, and I avoid that word. Uh, I think I should use it. In it, But maybe I use it in a more anarchy-based conversation first, where I'm preaching for anarchy harder than the word necessarily needs to be used in, uh, and then slowly bring it in because that has worked for, uh, the, the word liberal, you notice whenever I became a libertarian before I was even an anarchist, you know, liberal had disappeared from any sort of, civilized individual rights kind of talk right and become just another word for whatever a politician says the state should do you know pour money into it that's what it became and over the years we we've heard you know used to be a liberal classical liberal and then that kind of stuck so like they started using that and then now i've even heard people say you know i'm i'm the original liberal when they're describing themselves as maybe a party libertarian is being is describing themselves as like the original liberal beyond even classical liberal so you're right. We can take words back. It's just a lot of work. And we got to choose our battles with that because we are fighting the CIA, FBI, whatever other initials you want to throw, throw at us at the same time. So it is, it is hard to focus. But if we're fighting those groups together, our group is bigger yeah but we're fighting those groups together for each and every one of us not for one person's whatever belief he thinks right <laughs> and i think that needs to be said if we're going to fight somebody we're fighting for every single one of our rights every fucking one of them so would you agree with one for all and all for one? That's a scary thing to agree with because I know what turned out from that. 
I know what became of that. But the three yes. musketeers? Right, Chevy Chase. Um yeah. <laughs> but like the 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 French Revolution against the bourgeoisie and all that shit, like that was not a good thing that happened. It wasn't I'm not saying what was going on before that was good either. But that was definitely an evil event. Which was not in any way mentioned in saying one for all and all for one, right? But it's where your head went. Yeah, I mean, the people using that phrase did some evil things to some people that were not, I guess, part of the all. That's the problem. But all didn't actually mean all in that circumstance. Now, if all actually meant all, it would probably be a different thing, a different outcome. But even the most statist, authoritarian members of society who supported that movement, let's say, in that time, even those people are a part of this group which could collectively do away with the state because to your point there is but an their, FBI, their a CIA. point was to become a state i'm not talking uh, about the the heads of state that led that charge i'm talking about the people okay there are people worth saving you're right and there are people worth not too much effort Go do your own thing. You know, die in your own place if you if that makes you happy. Um, and they're gonna hate us forever for being not that way, and they'll die hating us, and we won't care what's going on with them because it's kind of the way we are, right? But there, there's no need to have everybody agree with us. We don't. We don't care. As anarchists, it doesn't matter as long as we can find a place to be free. Well, you just said as anarchists, so you're speaking for the group. So what if I, as another anarchist, don't agree with that? It's fine. I don't don't really care. (laughs) What if I do fight for them? It's just, yeah, I mean... I guess you could be an anarchist and fight for Hitler. I don't I, I don't know why you would do that, but I imagine you would have your economic reason. Well, I'm not maybe fighting, he has your, I'm not fighting has, for what he believes in. I'm fighting yeah, maybe for he's his got rights. your family and he says that uh you have to, you know, I'm going to let all the Jews go. He didn't realize that he meant like after he gassed them. You're like and you were the best fighter for him. That could be a thing. You should have your day in in judgment upon your fellow man who died. Family died because of you. Because if, if he truly convinced you that you were going to... If you did these things, the, the Jews were going to be let go. Uh, even if you were his best fighter and you truly believe that, I think you would have an argument to uh, 
to not be, uh, you know, put down or whatever they did to. But you're assuming I'm in his fight. I'm saying I'm fighting on his behalf, not fighting in his war. The war is the war is going back to what we were talking about. The war is us versus the state. So you're just like a Hitler guy, but not like a a Nazi. Like you you definitely don't like the Nazi Party. You don't like government, but you just like Hitler himself, the person. I don't like Hitler himself, the person. But you're fighting for him. I'll fight for his rights. Oh, his rights. Okay. So what what are his are his rights natural rights? They are. Or are they Nazi rights? There are no such thing as Nazi rights. There are Nazi Reichs. It's a trap. There's no comfort in a fake safety to know.